Coming up, Mike Rogi from Mountain Gazette and I talk about why we love the East Coast of these United States. That's next on The Rock Fight. This episode of The Rock Fight is brought to you by GearTrade. Since 1999, GearTrade.com has been your go-to home for unnew outdoor gear and apparel. You know you have that jacket, pack, or tent that has been left out of your past few adventures. Why not load it all in a box and let GearTrade sell it for you? Heck, they'll even send you a box and a free shipping label. It's that easy to get cash money for all the stuff you're not using. Head to GearTrade.com and click on the Sell Your Gear tab to learn more. GearTrade.com. This episode of The Rock Fight is brought to you by Long Weekend Coffee with four varieties of beans. Long Weekend is the best coffee to start your outdoor adventures every day, not just on the weekend. Head to longweekend.coffee and be sure to enter the promo code ROCK10 for 10% off of your first order. Long Weekend Coffee. More weekend, please. We're also brought to you by Rock Fight. Head to rockfight.co to get all your outdoor content needs fulfilled. Coming up on this podcast, two guys based in the West tell you why you shouldn't sleep on the East. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Rock Fight, where we speak our truth, slay sacred cows, sometimes agree to disagree. I'm Colin True, and today we are welcoming back the editor of Mountain Gazette, which just put out its 199th issue. He's sad succession is over, but he's still my number one boy. Mike Rogie's back. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm so good, man. I love you, but you're not a serious person. <laughs> today we're going to talk about the outdoors and the East Coast of the United States to all of our, our massive presence in the international community. We're talking about the United States again, which is, uh, you know, the place that most people living in the West are from. Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I lived in New England for a long time before moving West. I live in Southern California now and I've lived in the Western U.S. for the better part of two decades. I, I likely will never live back in the East again. Who knows? But I, I feel pretty safe saying that. But I do also feel like the East Coast is very overlooked within our community uh, and the outdoor industry in general and kind of looked down upon as lesser than. Maybe the Midwest gets the shortest end of the stick, but the West is definitely sort of propped up. So kind of kicking it off before we get into some of the stuff that you had in Mountain Gazette this month. Um what do you think the root of that is? Is the East like our parents and grandparents and the West is the cool place all the young people move to? Like, why, why do you think it is uh, that the East Coast kind of gets the short end of the stick? Well, Colin, let me oversimplify it for you. When you're an East Coast kid and you become a member of the outdoor media and you move to the West Coast, you get <laughs> out here and you go, oh, my effing God, this is the most amazing place ever. And then you fall into the trap of telling everyone how awesome it was. While forgetting the fact that like the Adirondacks is 6 million acres, that the Atlantic Ocean is so dope, that northeastern Canada is like some of the most beautiful parts oh in the God. entire world. Right. That the southeast has like a ton of incredible mountains, rivers, ocean. Like, you know, I think that um, it's easy to forget your roots. And that's why I'm here today to throw rocks at your face about the <laughs> East Coast. Yeah, that's what I, we do, right? We throw rocks at each other. We throw rocks at each other. We're, we're picking fights. I, I'm and I'm picking a fight. I'm on. I'm on your side with this one. We'll throw, throw some yeah. rocks at some other people. I think the East Coast. I've yeah. said this before. I think the simplest thing is that my my mind goes to before anything else is I remember humidity and bugs uh, compared to where I live in the West Coast, and that kind of then dowers it a little bit. However, that being said, yeah, I I had an argument with somebody. They were from they were from Colorado. Just going to start yes. there. All right. And they were visiting uh, us. I was working for Timberland at the time. We're in Southeast New Hampshire. 
And I remember we were sitting outside at an awesome little kind of clam shack, having a lobster roll. It was lovely summer day in you know coastal New Hampshire. And I said something about like, yeah, you know, I'd love to see more attention, you know, come to like New England and the outdoor community here. It's kind of like it's a real bastion of the outdoors. And they were like, what? Scoffed. Literally, the word scoffed can be applied here because like of, because of where they live. And I've never forgotten that. And I've always said, you know, especially if my kids growing up here, I've encouraged them their whole lives. You should live on the East Coast at some point. You will never, number one, appreciate how beautiful it is in the West until you kind of have like the juxtaposition. But also you need that experience. It's a different, it's an entirely different world. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually driving back East um, in two weeks. And one of the things I love about the Northeast is that I have a good buddy of mine, John Martin, he's the publisher of Cream Magazine. Uh, he lives two and a half hours from my parents. Two and a half hours. That's less time than it takes for me to drive from North Lake Tahoe down to Mammoth or San Francisco. Yeah, right. Um, y- you know, uh, we are going to spend time in upstate New York. We're going to spend time in Burlington, Vermont. We're going to spend time in Manhattan. We're going to see my in-laws in Connecticut. And I think what's cool is like all of that is very drivable. All that's very different. And sure, yeah, humidity and bugs, those are terrible especially when you compare them to what we have, which is what, um, let's see, drought, wildfire, <laughs> um, uh, overpopulation, over tourism. Like, here's the thing. You, like, other than like, I'd say like maybe like Stowe, Vermont or any of the Vail resorts created like problems on the East Coast. You never really hear about things being too crowded in the Northeast. Why? Because they were built for crowds. They were built for people. True. And also the other thing that's so amazing about the Northeast is most of the most beautiful shit in the Northeast is not on the highway. Where in California, everything's built on the highway. You want yeah. to go car camping? Cool. Park right next to the five, you know, or the 405. And you're like, you have to be kidding me. I mean, like, they actually wanted to build a four-lane highway around Lake Tahoe so people could see it. And you're like, is that not ridiculous? Right. Is that not ridiculous? Like, they would never do that in the Northeast. Like, I think... The Northeast is better at protecting its natural resources than the West. I think the Northeast is better at getting outside and caring about outside because it does rain because there's a lot of precipitation. So nice sunny days are not taken for granted. And I think the one thing for at least on the Mountain Gazette and my editorial experience that I love about the Northeast is that the culture and the people are better than anywhere else in the world. I stand behind Northeastern people more than anything and the irony that everyone says is that most people think that folks from the northeast are dicks but they're actually nice yeah but most actually what's really true is that most people from the west they assume are nice and they're actually dicks (laughs) so i live out here i love california i think californians are nice but we can be dicks too i i was just in boston and i'll tell you i've never been more comfortable in a city in my life some guy told me to fuck off and it felt like he gave me a hug it was great you know why he told me to fuck off, Colin? I was jaywalking. I shouldn't have been doing that. And he told me to fuck off. And I said, sorry. And I moved. And he said, no problem. And it was over. Right. You know, it was over. It was over. It was over. And I appreciate that bluntness. I was doing something wrong. He quickly corrected me. I apologized for my mistake. We moved on. We probably could have grabbed a beer and been friends after that. Totally. So that's yeah. what I, I, I'm, I'm Northeast, born and raised. It's in my blood. You know, I was, it's uh, just, I, it's why I'm here to defend the honor of the, of the Northeast. I, I went from, uh, living in just outside of Boston in a town called Melrose and uh, we moved to Salt Lake city 
our second attempt to live in the West. This one, this time it took, but, uh, there was a woman I worked with who had grown up in Utah and she, I was, was a bit of a, a mystery to her because number one, how much I would swear and how sarcastic I was. And we got along great. She's actually a really good friend of mine. But then she went on a work trip to Boston in the winter and she found herself in North Station during a Bruins game. And there's bars and stuff in North Station. There are people there waiting for the trains, getting drinks, watching the Bruins on TV. And she calls me and she goes, she told me where she was. And she goes, I think I understand you a little bit more now. <laughs> Just like being around the folks yeah. there, you know? You know, man, the other thing that I find to be really interesting about the Northeast is like, um, because it's so compact. Yeah. You're amongst pe- you're amongst people more, and I find that in the West, um, you know, we get these like weird microcosm like terrorist groups of people that are like proud boys or whatever. It's like people that have been living in the woods for too long. Yep, haven't seen people. They've been radicalized. Um, I went to breakfast with my friend George, who owns the Ski Monster, and I was there a little early. I was talking to the waiter, and he said, um, "Oh man, California. When was the last time you were in San Francisco?" I'm like, actually, dude, just last week with my family, like San Francisco's a great city. Like a lot of cities, there's some places you don't want to go. Um, it used to not be that way, but like on the whole, San Francisco is a pretty great place to live. And the dude goes, you know, man, I've never actually met someone that's been there. I'm going to reconsider my opinion about that. Like literally was just like, and I think that's the thing is in the Northeast, you have so many people. Yeah. You know, there's some hard asses for sure, but you have so many people, you have so many opinions that you do kind of get this like nice medium mean mm-hmm. ground where politically you're not too left or too right you're actually like somewhere in the middle and the more rural you are the more wild and weird you get um trust me you don't i mean i live in the middle of the woods like i'm on a satellite internet connection right now like we do not have <laughs> we have to have underground you know like i'm not like a city person by any means but i do think that there's something to be said about being concentrated around other people and getting daily different opinions about things constantly that make you constantly reconsider your own opinions. I think that's a healthy society. Yeah, I agree. I think like the stuff I I noticed, um, even moving to the West, like when we, we lived in Salt Lake first, then we moved to Park City. And I would say if I'm going to move back to Utah now, I wouldn't live in Park City. I'd live in Salt Lake, like being in that town, like it was better. Like we started to actually, my wife and I go out to dinner, we would drive into Salt Lake just because it's like, now we want to go where there are more people, where there is some culture, those things. And even living in Southern California, which is an incredibly populated area, not to make this a SoCal pod, uh, but it's, it is about the East Coast, but it's a relatable thing based on what you just said. Like, I like being in an area where there's a lot of people and we get the restaurants and we get the benefits of that. But also it is too easy to kind of get outside of it and go find solitude in nature as well. But I think that is a holdover from my time growing up in the Northeast. Like, I lo- you know, you need, you need that sometimes. You need to be around other people and you're absolutely right. In the West, you can go from an urban center to nothing real quick. And if all you know is that nothing and you didn't go to those, you, you, your, your story, right? Never even known someone who's been to San Francisco. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean it's really po- it's possible because, you know, my, um, my, you know, my sister's family, like they've never been west of Pennsylvania ever. Yeah, like born, raised in the Adirondacks, like multi-generation. Um, it's good there. They like it there. It's not for me. It's not what I wanted, but that's okay. Not everyone needs to want what I want. And I think as we're talking about this, man, sure, it's concentrated. But I'll go back to this, that the Adirondack Park is 6 million acres. Yeah. You could fit most of the national parks that we all know and love in the West in there. And yeah. that's been protected since Rockefeller. 
you know, like the idea was that we should keep this. It's called forever wild. It's beautiful. And I think what's cool is like people live amongst the land. Mm -hmm. There are hundreds, if not thousands of waterways in upstate New York, the Antarctic park where I'm from that have, uh, you know, no motorized boats on them. You can only access them via like a seaplane or like a multi-day hike. It's not like it's overbuilt. It's just right. built. I think it's built well. I think it's built well. I think it's been the difference is it's been built over centuries, not decades. Right. I mean, that's. I think that's the. There's. If you listen to this show, there's a through line of this across a lot of things that we talk about because you know it's such a. I think the outdoors are an interesting thing of like it. It can be. It's all of it is so subjective, but a lot of it gets made to be objective, right? And I think this is a. Yeah, absolutely. The one reason I'm so fond of the Northeast and the East Coast is because I spent so much time there and, and I don't live there anymore. And I said, faced with the choice, no, I'd probably stay out West. I'll be honest. I, I like it better out here. However, to say then that it is lesser than in any way, I mean, frankly, like I'll throw the, I'll throw the Midwest a bone. Like I, you know how many good times I've had in like upstate, you know, Minnesota, like around Duluth and the up in the like boundary waters a lot. It's awesome there. There's Dude, so much good stuff. Do you, do you know how sick the surfing is on the Great Lakes? Ah, right. It's epic. It's epic. And everyone's like, it's not epic. It's not Hawaii. No shit, dude. And Jackson Hole is in the Alps. Yeah, know? right. Right. You know? And like, Alps is not the Sierra. The Wasatch is not the Sierra range. You're like, whatever. We can sit and pick these things apart. Right. What I'm saying is that the Appalachians, the Adirondacks, the Green Mountains are just as the Smoky Mountains are just as deserving of your respect. Yes. And there are people who have done things there that make the things that you do with your Garmin on the weekend look pretty goddamn tame. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about Boston's walking city trail. It's time to play What's on GearTrade.com right now! Since 1999, GearTrade has been your first stop to buy or sell gear and get ready for your next outdoor adventure right now. I'm heading over to GearTrade.com to look for my favorite deals of the day. And remember, things move quickly. By the time you get here, these items could be gone, so don't wait around. Get shopping! Okay, first up, are you traveling or camping this summer? Then you need a Low Alpine Telesac 10 liter compression sack. This item is used but in good condition, normally retails for $233, but can be yours for $100.97. Next up, how about a lumbar pack from the brand that made lumbar packs famous, Mountain Smith. This pack is brand new, normally retails for $59.95 and can be around your waist for just $28.81. Lastly, this summer, if you want to avoid afternoon rainstorms and you wear a women's extra large, you can pick up a used Steo Ender Pack Light hooded jacket for just $109.56, while normally this jacket is $249. Man, what a steal. If you're wondering where these deals come from, they come from you. Gear Trade makes everything so easy, they'll even pay for shipping and send you a box to load up that pile of gear you have lingering in your garage and turn it into cash money. So if you're looking for that crucial piece of gear or apparel for your next adventure, or want to make some room in your gear closet, or both, there is only one solution, geartrade.com. Well, so the one reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because in the recently re uh, released issue of Mount Gazette, you guys have a feature by Miles Howard about a new hiking trail that connects green parks and spaces as it winds through downtown Boston. And kind of we've been talking about, I, I love Boston, I love the Northeast. I also love backcountry solitude. And one of my favorite sort of things is when society is blended seamlessly into nature and sort of a, I don't know, like symbiotic relationship 
kind of kind of like how the Shires presented in Lord of the Rings, right? It's kind of like we have integrated how this is one reason I like Seattle so much because when you see Seattle and it's these green hillsides with a major city sort of built into it. So seeing a hiking trail going through one of America's oldest cities is super cool. Like kind of what's the background on that? Like what was like how did you hear about the trail and like is there a, is there a story behind that? Yeah, so one of my I can't even remember who it was, but one of the folks I follow on Twitter yeah. retweeted Miles one day and I started following him, seeing that he was like writing guidebooks and he was a Northeast journalist. I'm always looking for new talent from Mountain Gazette. And I saw that Miles was really adamant about the Walking City Trail, which is a trail that he created in Boston during the pandemic. Um, and the cool thing about trail building in, as you put, one of America's old cities is you're not actually building anything. You're just trying to like connect Lego pieces almost. And <laughs> I recently, two weeks ago, got to hike it with him uh, in Boston. We did an event with Steo and it was amazing. I mean, like he, if the option is to go right and kind of get there faster or it's to go left and do this kind of like circuitous like route to see five murals that are there and like maybe some like Austin trees, you know, Miles is great around every corner. Like he did that, like where he's like, see, I thought about the trail going this way, but if you go this way, you can see these Aspen trees perfectly frame this mural. It is so aesthetically pleasing and you can do so much of it so quickly. And it goes through all the best part is that it connects these neighborhoods that like when you live in a city, you start feeling like your neighborhoods, your own little universe. And like, right. You know, Southie is so different from this end or from that end or whatever that, Miles took something and it's really connected the entire city. And it's a city that's known for its trails, like the Freedom Trail. And, right, right. You know, some it's other, uh, like America's walk walking city, right? That's kind of, let's know, it's a very walkable city. It is. And, and I think what I found to be fascinating is that Miles has seen the benefits already of connecting the city. He made friends in other neighborhoods. He's connected, like, and at, from a mountain gazette standpoint, like, we've seen the benefit of even just publishing the story. Colin, where like we have people tagging us on social media where they're doing the 27 mile hike in a day. You know, they're talking about like the shoes they're buying before. They're talking about the restaurants they're stopping at or where they're stopping off for a beer. And what I find to be really cool is the outdoor community is filled with whiners, with people who whine. They can't help themselves. Not these people. Not these people. These people are trying something new. Uh, it's on all trails, you know. I believe it's on Google Maps too. Like you can find it, and and they are, they're dude, they are loving it, and they're living it, and they're enjoying it, and they're shocked at how challenging it is, right? And how be beautiful it is, and like how, like you said, like living in Boston for a long time, like parts of the city they never expected to see, parts of the city that they were kind of predisposed to thinking were dangerous, yeah but are actually not dangerous. They're actually quite beautiful and have a vibrant community there. And so, um, yeah, miles has not only changed, I think for our readerships, the perspective of like what can be an outdoor experience. But for me, like I'm now looking at like, what are some other ways that people in cities across the world are, are recreating? You know, one of the, one of the attendees of our event came and she was new to Boston. She goes, you know, I travel to cities around the world. And I've always done this. I've always gone for like three, four mile hikes in the morning, like through cities. And she's like, I never felt like I was part of a community. And now I know I'm part of the outdoor community. That's cool. Like that right there. That's how you expand our, our community.
that's how you make it more accessible well, to people. Well, I, I said this. I know, I know I've said this on this show. I hosted another podcast called Lairs. I definitely made a point in like a big episode about, you know, the the evolution of what going in the outdoors is, right? I mean, you start, the industry really, really gets going in the 80s. And a lot of it is based on technical innovation. And I've railed a lot about that on this time on this show. But we've gotten to this place where anything outside is outdoor at this point, right? You know, my, my kids, your kids growing up are going to have a very different definition than the, the late millennial Gen Xers who came of age in like the eighties, nineties and early aughts. Right. It's weird. I think outdoor, I think boots and hiking, right? Just like my instinct, it goes to there for them. Like, you know, it's the, Hey, I'm riding my e-bike, you know, to the play spike ball on the beach. That's outdoor. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, it's outside. So yeah. I think for this, like this is where I think the industry and these kinds of organizations are so important because creating the more welcoming environment for people who don't look like you and me, basically, to want to go and engage in the outdoors, especially in an urban environment, not historically associated with wild places, right? More like urban stuff. It's super important on top of how cool it is. Let's take let's take uh, two groups of people that I would say you and I don't identify with, right? Uh, we wouldn't identify ourselves in that way. Um Say hunters. I don't know if you hunt. No, I right? do not hunt. Uh, so let's take a, an elk hunter and then let's take uh, an urban hiker like Miles, right? Yeah. You would assume that someone from Wyoming who stalks elk, and that's really what it is. You're, you're hiking for a long time. Sure. Um, they now have a connection right. on gear. You know, like what are some lightweight packs that work you know, and the elk hunter's like, well, I need like a lot of storage in case I make a kill or Miles like, well, I don't need that. Like, cause I can stop places, you know, but like footwear, yeah. like what are some footwears that work in different environments, whether it's like down in the mud or like walking up, you know, and it's like, now you have two groups that frankly are not connected to the outdoor industry. I'm using air quotes yeah. as we traditionally know it, who can now be connected. And I think that's really important. I think that, um, you know, Bar- Baratunde Thurston, who's one of our contributors on PBS's America Outdoors, yeah, says that the thing that connects all Americans is the outdoors. And I think I learned that in Miles and, and Dan Dan Brown, the photographer, like in their story of like they are no different than you know Grace's story about ultra running or some of the Everest pieces that we published or anything like that. Like you started out with an objective; it was a personal yeah. goal, and you made it there. And whether it was like very big or very small, I think that those measurements are not exact. I like the idea that for the rest of my life, at least whenever I go back to Boston, I've got this like vein, if you will, yeah, that pumps through the city and will have more people traveling it and I can check out. And that Miles wants to do this in Detroit and New York and Philly. You know, like he wants to keep going. He wants to keep doing these things. And like, that's great. Um, I'm excited to see where, where these go. Like, I mean, I have no reason to, I don't know anyone in Detroit, you know, but if I find myself in Detroit one day, I'll have something to look forward to in that city of like, cool, I can go for a hike. Yeah. You know, and I think we, I want to talk a little bit, some, some more love on where we grew up or what we like about the East coast. You mentioned a lot of stuff about you love about New York and maybe what you get nostalgic for in the mid Atlantic or anywhere else you go back East uh, and I look, I, I definitely uh, have a lot of fond memories of that area and New England as well. Is there anything that sort of, you know, that what is there something else on the East Coast that like just kind of sticks out? Like, you know, I, I think of the Southeast. I want to throw some love to the Southeast here. I did my first adventure race 
outside of Knoxville, Tennessee in a town in a, in a state park called Fall Creek Falls. And that was really eye opening for me because I kind of grew up with a pretty heavy anti Southeast bias growing up in the Northeast. So it's hot and humid. Why yeah. would you want to go down there? And I went down. It was a, it was because of work. I got to go. But I got hooked up with a couple of people. We did it as a team. And it was incredible. And I just had someone the fondest. And it was August in Tennessee. And it was hot and it was humid. But it also was incredibly fun and incredible mountain biking and incredible trail running. And then it ended with a rappel off this massive waterfall, Fall Creek Falls, where you, you get to the end of the rope, you're 20 feet above the water and you just let go and you fall into this pool of water. And it's a free rappel too, right? You don't have anything. You're not bouncing off the wall at all. And it's one of my fondest outdoor memories anywhere I've been. You know, again, another kind of thing on the East Coast. Anything wow. like that for you that kind of like comes to mind? Too many things, man. But I mean, like, I think people, I think people sleep on the Poconos. I think people sleep on West Virginia. Oh, um, West Virginia, especially. I think, I think people sleep. I think Florida is a political and cultural nightmare. But it's a different had, podcast. <laughs> but I'll tell you. But I'll tell you, man. That I I have some friends that live there, and they're part of a group called Captains for Clean Water, mm -hmm. and they're working really, really, really hard to clean up the waterways in Florida. Um, they have a problem called red tide. Yeah, and, and yeah, my friend Alex Spring is down there. She's a she's an angler. This is for Grunnins. She and her now fiance CJ just got engaged over the weekend. But like, I mean, Florida. Some of the waterways in Florida are just like incredibly beautiful. I've had some of the, like the better experiences with aquatic wildlife, you know, out there. Sure. Um, Carter Carter Andrews is another captain that I know in Florida. He's, he's a buddy of mine. Like, I mean, he's he his family bought. They came from Wyoming. They came from Jackson. He bought a huge farm out there, and he's got. That's cool. I, I joke that you know, I mean, Florida is just like a really, really beautiful state outside of what we're all thinking when you think of Florida. Like if you take those five things away, I mean, the keys, I'll always love North Carolina, the state of Maine, all of it. Oh yeah. All of it. When I say all of it, I mean all of the lobstermen, the surfers, like the brewers, like the bikers, like I think that New Hampshire is insane. Um, I, I lived in Vermont. I thought I was never going to leave Vermont. Actually, when I got hired at powder, I asked them if I could work remotely and live in Vermont. Like I wanted to, I wanted to live in Burlington forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like um, the green mountains are insane. Lake Champlain's insane. Um, all of New York state, like every part, like I could go on for hours. Dude, New Jersey has some beautiful parts to it. It and does. Again, just like, just like Florida. You're like, Oh man, like Jersey shore, Chris Christie, like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. Sopranos. I mean, Sopranos is probably the dope part. Of there, but Jer I'm Jersey and uh, Florida are in that like everything you heard is probably true, but there's also yeah, other but... stuff that you don't know about that's great, you know. Dude, my man Doug Schnitzbahn, who wrote the Kitchen Dwellers mountain bike piece in 199, he's a Jersey kid. I think that you could go anywhere yeah. in the United States and find an interesting, engaged outdoor community. And I actually challenge people that listen to this podcast to do that. And to be surprised by the fact that you will find people in states that you detest. And what you don't actually, you don't actually detest the geography. You detest the loudmouth, ass backwards, 1940s politicians that are from there that yeah, made you, yeah. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you hate, maybe you hate Disney World, you know, <laughs> or maybe you hate, maybe you hate the situation in like Snooky and the Jersey Shore. But like, dude, those people, that's like five or six people. There is not, 
a place in the United States that I can think of right now that doesn't have some sort of outdoor community that helps people escape the trauma of their lives. Yeah, you. And, I mean, you've been in. The, you've made a career yeah. as a journalist in the outdoor industry, and like you know, I've been in the outdoor community for a long time. I've read enough stories of. Oh, you'll be surprised at the outdoor community in like X location. Where's the story on? Actually, here's the one place that just sucks because that'd be a, that'd be a much more interesting story to read because it probably doesn't exist. There's always something. You know, I will tell you, man, that I believe that an outdoor experience is valid no matter where you live, and I also inherently believe in the good in people which is not something that i think is in fashion these days right but like the reason why mountain gazette can even exist as a print magazine in this day and age is because we care about the people that subscribe to our magazine full stop and we have a lot of subscribers from dc from the midwest you know like they're not going unnoticed you know Mm -hmm. like miles has a plan to go make it through like in dc and like we're not going to become the urban hiking magazine. That's not what we are. We're, we're Mountain Gazette. You know, we're an outdoor culture magazine. But I do think that for us and our staff and like our contributors, like it allows us, it allows the magazine to look to all these places, including the Northeast, and say like they, they are having a real human experience there. And it's worth looking into. Right. And to the person that scoffed at you about the Northeast, I feel bad for them because they have a narrow-minded idea of what outdoor culture can be. And I think what that means is they're going to run out of their audience real quickly. And maybe they already have. Because right. there's a lot of outdoor magazines that have done that. We're never going to stop uncovering rocks, whether they're in Boston. <laughs> and Whether they're them. in SoCal. <laughs> and, and yeah, man, when I'm on here, we'll throw them. I can we'll throw that, them, yeah. that's right. Uh, yeah, bottom yeah, line, we'll right? Don't knock yeah. it if you haven't tried it. You know, bottom line, just give it a shot. Yeah. But, yeah. Rogie, man, thanks for coming on again. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, Colin, thank you. All right, that's our show for today. Thanks again to my guest, Mike Rogie, for coming on to lavish praise all over the East Coast. Are you an East Coast stalwart, a transplant, a West Coaster who grew up back East like Mike and me? We want to hear from you for a future episode. Send your feedback to myrockfight at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with some amazing new podcasts. I'm Colin True. Thanks for checking out the show. The Rock Fight is a production of Rock Fight, LLC.